going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. On this edition of the Calgary Today podcast, we have an exclusive story from the family of Tanya Gordon. They're reacting to the news that the man who killed her in 2005 has been given full parole. We'll also talk politics, both provincially and federally, which is where we start as oil field families are starting to pipe up on social media as they feel they're being attacked. In today's age of social media, doesn't matter if it's taken out of context or not, there are going to be pieces of speeches and question and answer periods and that kind of thing that invariably end up in shortened versions for the social media masses to watch and react to. There's one piece in particular that has garnered a whole lot of reaction from the families and in particular the wives of oil field workers here in this province. And it is this particular piece of audio that has gotten a lot of attention. Well, as as a government body, looking at how every different decision can have an impact on uh, women in a positive or a negative way, uh, even you know, even big infrastructure projects. Uh, you might not say, "Oh, what does a gender lens have to do with building this new highway or this new uh, pipeline or something?" Well, uh, you know, there are gender impacts when you bring construction workers into a rural area. There are social impacts because uh, they're mostly male construction workers. How are you adjusting and adapting? to those. That's what the gender lens in GBA plus budgeting is all about. These are all things that we've been doing not to be nice or to be better or to be moral, but to be smart about getting the very best out of all of our citizens and making the very best out of our economy because women entrepreneurs tend to make better choices than uh, than uh, than others we've seen. So that needless to say garnered a reaction. No surprise, really. But what I have found heartening in all of this is what you're starting to see is a pushback here in Alberta from the wives and families of oil field workers who have been hit hard. And a couple of posts have really gone viral. And we'll chat with the author of one in just a second. Because this one really... I saw a few different friends and friends of friends posting their own stories on this. And the, I'll call it the overwhelming response hasn't been necessarily about partisan politics as much as it is about opening eyes of those around to the real family life. And I get the sense that a lot of families are tired of getting punched while they're down. And this was the one in particular that really, I felt, struck a bit of a chord in terms of the number of people who have responded, the number of people who have given up their own stories. Here's the letter. Prime Minister Trudeau, this is my husband, she's taking pictures of the family and her husband. He works in the oil field and has for as long as I've known him. You've recently said that my husband is contributing to the social impact on women in rural settings where these male oil field workers are. This is your polite and subtle way of saying our husbands, fathers, and brothers sexually assault the women in the communities in which they work. 
My husband has not been home in over a month, but I'm not going to bore you with how hard he works or how much he misses his kids because your actions and words have demonstrated how little regard you have for Albertans. I would ask that you please show a little more consideration when you're speaking about our men. Most of them are just like you, family men, in brackets, but with a little more integrity. P.S. While you still have this gender lens on, I urge you to use it to take a good, hard look at the countries we import our oil from and what we're supporting when we buy their oil. Hashtag oilfield strong, hashtag oilfield wife, oilfield proud, iHeart Canadian oil, and oilfield dad. Now that was written by one Karen Gammy, and Karen joins us now on the program. Karen, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. My first question is, what prompted you to write that Facebook post? Um, I think it was a post uh, just to show how much I appreciate my husband and the sacrifices that he makes for our family, but also trying to dispel the myths of this rig pig culture that's been so pervasive lately um, after the comments made by Prime Minister Trudeau implying that... Um, oil field workers or people associated with that lifestyle or some sort of predator. What is the reality in, say, your family or many of the others that you you socialize with? Um, for us, we're lucky that my husband is still working. But for us and for lots of families, we really don't know if this will be it for a while. Um, and that's very scary, I think, for a lot of families. Um, I think families are really struggling in Alberta, um, and people don't know kind of the work that these men and women do, kind of working in all kinds of weather to provide for their families and really all Canadians. Um, and I think they just deserve a lot more respect than what they're what they usually get. How damaging is it in your mind to hear the the divisive tone? I guess that seems to be uh, prevailing in this debate and this discussion to the point of it's almost feeling like an attack on a family. Well, I think there's a lot of um, hate for Alberta and a lot of the prairie provinces coming from eastern Canada. And I just wanted to show um, the human side of this um, lifestyle that we have. I think when our leader in particular talks about um, that our oil field workers are somehow something to be feared, it adds even more, you know, anti-pipeline, anti-oil fields. And I really think that people need to be aware of what they're actually supporting when they boycott Canadian oil. Um, it's very frustrating for me for the Prime Minister to sit and talk about a gender lens and then turn around and import oil from countries where women have zero rights. Um, and I think when people are calling for all these boycotts of Canadian oil, they don't realize that they're actually directly supporting all these human rights violations. If you had the opportunity to chat with the Prime Minister right now, and, and not to say that you'd swear at him or anything like that, we, yeah. nobody ever does that kind of thing, but <laughs> hey, what, would you, what would you say to the Prime Minister? Um, I think that we would appreciate a government that's not ashamed or apologetic that we're an oil-producing country, um, and just asking for ways, um, effective and safe ways to move our oil, to upgrade our oil, refine our oil so that we don't have to rely on import, um, imported oil. We can always still work towards greener alternatives, um, but people need to be empowered to protect their planet. And if you cut off their livelihood and they can't feed their children, they can't pay their mortgage, the environment, it will never be their priority.
How difficult is it from your standpoint to get people to understand the human element of this debate? Because one of the things that I, as I listen to your answers and I read your post, I, I see there's a human side of it. But when you look at the vitriol and you look at the political divisiveness of it, that seems to be the part that's missing. How important or how difficult has it been to get your message across or to for your family or loved ones to get that message across? Yeah, like I, I think it's been difficult and I've heard a lot, uh, even when I posted, when I made my post that kind of who cares, the Prime Minister is not going to listen anyways. And honestly, I wasn't really making it even thinking that he would listen. I thought, you know, it would be my mom that likes it and that would be it. But I think seeing how it has taken off and people are posting it and then adding their story to it, um, you know, and it's had almost 6,000 likes, I think it's really important to just keep putting the message out there that, you know, these are workers, like workers in the auto industry, they have a family to support, um, and they work so, so hard. And they're really shown very little respect for that. It's not an us versus them mentality at all, by the sounds of it. And, and I don't think, uh, I think everybody will agree with you on that front. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for the time this afternoon. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Karen Gammy wrote that post. I'll read it again coming up after the break. We'll also take your calls on this. Is this, is this political divisiveness over oil sands and that is a time to fight back but in a reality kind of way 403-974-8255 we'll be back after this want to read this letter again just real quick prime minister trudeau this is from karen gammy says her husband works in the oil field and as for as long as she's known him She says, you've recently said that my husband is contributing to the social impact on women in rural settings where these male oil field workers are. This is your polite and subtle way of saying our husbands, fathers, and brothers sexually assault the women in their communities in which they work. My husband has not been home in over a month, but I'm not going to bore you with how hard he works or how much he misses his kids because your actions and words have demonstrated how little regard you have for Albertans. I would ask that you please show a little more consideration when you're speaking with our men. Most of them are speaking about our men. Most of them are just like you, family men in brackets, but with a little more integrity. Brad wanted to weigh in on this one. Brad, what's on your mind? Mind. How are you today? Not bad, man. You? Oh, not too bad. You know, the thing that really irks me is there's people out here that work and work and work and work and we get nothing but resentment from the east and and to say that people that work hard for what they got you know and to put us down as as taxpayers number one is is ludicrous we all we all come out here to support our families i have two little two little kids at home myself and you know i work long hours and right now as a matter of fact i'm working but we can't can't get our pipe, our oil pipelines. We can't do anything like that. And, you know, just it's ridiculous. And somehow we're made out to be the bad guys. Well, we're made out to be the bad guys. You know, number one, Canadian technologies in, in the oil and gas sectors is the best in the world. And we're always being shunned for we can do this better. We can do that better. Well, the technologies are always improving. Day to day, the technologies are always improving. And 
you know, to, mm. to be just kind of, it's, 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 I don't, you I'll know, call I don't it know. frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's very, very frustrating. And the, and the thing is, is now we got more real, more real cars on the, on the, you know, on the rail lines and, mm. you know, it's just to be put into a position where so many people have lost jobs. I'm one of the fortunate ones that I'm still working, but you know, for the people that have lost their jobs because left wing type criticism, like, yeah, I don't need, I'm kind of lost for words. I'll, we'll leave it at that, Brad. I want to get to one other phone call, but it's one of those things where I don't even think it's a left versus right, wait, right wing thing at the end of the day. What it should be about is basic human decency. Like we're all trying to make a living here, so what can we do to make it make our living? Let's go to Jennifer. Jennifer, what's on your mind? Um, hi. Um, I'm just calling because my husband's also worked up north for uh, at least twelve years, and we acknowledge that there's problems when you bring in, the, bring in these big projects. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think by avoiding the the topic altogether and saying, "Well, it's you know, we support our families," we all know that. But there's connections to these big projects, to drugs and alcohol abuse, um, sex trafficking. There's like a whole other point of view that we're ignoring that comes along with these projects. There are negative impacts on societies and communities. And if you ask people that live around Fort McMurray and don't say that they notice that there's more crime and there's more assault, then, then it's being disingenuous, you know. I, I don't think he was negative what he was saying. I think what he's saying is that there is a problem. We have to study the impacts, but I, I don't see anything. He, he's not wrong. Appreciate the phone call, Jennifer. This is what it's all about is sharing some opinions on all sides of the table. Scalger today on 770 CHQR. Politics can sometimes make some unlikely bedfellows or unexpected bedfellows, maybe. In the news, you heard Alberta and Saskatchewan joining forces to lobby the Prime Minister in a letter to put... So Canadian. In a letter. To put oil patch issues on the agenda at the First Minister's meeting later on this week. Premier Notley saying it's not a big ask, given trade issues have always been a part of such meetings. Now, whether or not that actually happens or not is going to be the million multi-million dollar question but as i've done over the last couple of days and i'm going to continue doing it because it feels like everybody talks in especially in in when you see it in tv news that kind of thing you you only get a little snippet and so i like playing full exchanges when it comes to question period or interviews uh, because it gives you full context And sometimes we miss that context. And today there was to go along the lines of those unexpected bedfellows. There's been a bit of a change in the Alberta legislature. The tone has changed just a little bit because everybody knows what's on the line. And during question period, UCP leader Jason Kenney leads off asking about the differential and whether the numbers that he had heard, obviously the price of Western Canadian select did go up yesterday. Uh, Did the news from Sunday have an impact? And it felt like kind of a cordial discussion instead of the usual ranting and raving question period. So Jason Kenney was given a first supplemental as he normally does. I thank the, the Premier and I'm glad that uh, she's not tempted to do any uh, 
victory laps on this one, Mr. Speaker, is a long way to go. Uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, one of the concerns raised by some Albertans about uh, the policy of curtailment is that production uh, cuts in production will result in cuts in jobs. But uh, our view is that by increasing the price, getting some positive cash flow into the energy sector, that this will actually help to save jobs by saving capital spending in 2019. We understand that Meg Energy, for example, has confirmed that this has saved jobs. Would the Premier like to comment on how this policy could actually help to prevent unemployment in Alberta? My goodness, I almost feel like the member opposite was in our caucus meeting and we were putting together some... Uh, but, uh, but thank him for that question. Uh, no, there's, there is no question that uh, our focus as we moved forward on this, on this policy was uh, very much front and centre on saving jobs and, uh, and uh, with any luck, in fact, uh, encouraging the kind of capital flow that would see jobs increasing uh, as we go forward into the next fiscal year. And so on a preliminary basis, that seems to be what, what we're seeing. And uh, as I say, we will continue to work with industry to make sure that that's the outcome for all Albertans. Nothing supplemental. Yes, I might be, if I carry this on, I might be accused of, of lobbing puffballs, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Uh, Mr. Speaker, the, um, as we know, there was a very difficult or negative decision on the Keystone XL project at a federal court in Montana two weeks ago. Uh, the U.S. administration is appealing that decision to an appeals court. Uh, is it the intention of the government of Alberta to intervene in any way, either in that appeal or in the uh, pending regulatory reassessment uh, being led by the United States State Department? Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, it, there's no question that uh, we have been in touch uh, with TCPL to offer them uh, any and all uh, support that we can provide. Uh, and uh, and certainly uh, we've, we've seen our Minister of Environment travel uh, and uh, make representations where there was regulatory hearings around Line 3. And there may well be the opportunity to do that uh, with KXL as well. Um, and, uh, and so we'll continue to work closely uh, through our office in Washington and as well uh, through our relationship with TCPL and offer assistance and support wherever we can. One thing that I've taken away watching question period, especially since Jason Kenney took over as leader of the official opposition, is I'm actually, as the political nerd that I am, really looking forward to the first election debate between those two because, A, both are very smart. Both Jason Kenney and Rachel Notley. Both are very well versed in their respective fields and both can be really witty. Now, that all being said, it wasn't all just happy-go-lucky either with maybe an unsuspecting target placed on the backs of the Calgary Board of Education thanks to this question by Jason Kenney. As a result of the NDP's carbon tax uh, forcing the removal of five uh, Calgary school buses, this means that uh, affects 400 students, many of whom are now being driven to school by their parents, actually increasing emissions. Does the government not understand this is one of the many unintended consequences of their carbon tax? Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. In fact, Mr. Speaker, what would make things more expensive for the Calgary Board of Education? 
education would be if we engaged or had engaged in the funding plans that uh, the member opposite's uh, uh, previous party would have put forward, i.e. freezing uh, funding at 2015 levels, Mr. Speaker. What we have done is we have funded enrollment, we have funded more teachers, we have funded more class quality improvements, we have done the things that uh, improve uh, public education. And the Calgary Board of Education uh, needs to uh, uh, use the uh, generous amount of funding they've received from this government over the last three and a half years to provide... Shots fired at the at the CBE, I think, with that last statement, a.k.a. Hey, CBE, we've given you a whole lot of money. There's no reason for you to complain about carbon tax. That'll be interesting. That might draw a response, I'd imagine. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Let's go back in time. August 30th, 2005. Tanya Gordon was found dead in her home in Ogden, killed at the hands of her common-law husband, Robert William Bell. All three of their children were home at the time, each having a son from a previous relationship. They also had one daughter together. Bell took off with the three kids, dropping two off at a city mall before he disappeared for a few days with the other. They were eventually found during a traffic stop on the Trans-Canada Highway near Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. After initially denying involvement, Bell admitted that he blacked out and lost control over an argument that went too far. He later pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and in April 2007 was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 10 years. In 2015, which was 10 years later, the Parole Board of Canada denied an application by Bell for parole freedoms. In the fall of 2017, he was given day parole for the first time. In a decision rendered by the board in September, the board granted full parole to Bell, who is now in his mid-40s. It's a case I've kept a close eye on since being a reporter as I covered the sentencing and then later on as news director in building up a database of decisions from the parole board. So I reached out to the family of Tanya Gordon. Her sister Kim says she was involved in the process for a while, but it was hard. We took in one in July of 2017 when he was just when they were just about to uh, give him day parole and release him into uh, the halfway house. But then after that, we never did anything else. Um, it's it, you know it's it's very frustrating because he's not even two feet away from you. Like he's just sitting across the table, basically, kind of thing. It's very very hard for us to go so that's why we just take continue not to go but the parole board kept me in contact on what was going on i have all the paperwork that they've been doing having to relive that august day in 2005 has become all too familiar for the family through this process at the time they saw warning signs but they felt there wasn't much they could do she told my mom that she wasn't afraid of him that she could she was a strong woman and my mom just you know, she wasn't the one to say, no, you can't go, you can't do that. She was the one, that, she's always there for us, even though the stupid mistake that we make, you know? Kim's husband, Mitchell, remembers calling into work, saying he wouldn't be in because he had a gut feeling something wasn't right after Tanya missed a meeting, which she never did. We were going to actually kick in the door. But my know? mom told you not to. But, yeah, we were told not to. And had we done that, we probably would have found her. Um... You know, and it's actually one of my regrets we didn't because I think we should have because that gave him a head start. And had we not, 
had we done what we, what we want to do, he would have had that head start on us because we would have found the body. We would have called the cops and started the whole process. It provides the family with little comfort in hearing the details of the parole board's latest decision. Bell told the panel that he worked really hard to get where he is today. He's been assessed as low risk to reoffend and has the blessing of his correctional service workers and others. Bell's release came with several conditions, including no direct or indirect contact with Gordon's family. But they believe he is in the Calgary area and had an inadvertent run-in with him at a mall. But he could not be in uh, no contact with us, any family member, and that he had to stay so many feet away from us. And we were sure that when he got parole that, uh, you know, it wasn't going to be in Calgary. Obviously, that got changed somewhere in the process. We just don't know where. Or by who? As a family, we should be able to live our life. Shouldn't want to be moving out of this area because I don't know if he's standing outside watching my house. Is he going to follow Elizabeth to school? It's just a lot of frustration. The panel also heard Bell has the full support of his current girlfriend. Gordon's other sister, Dawn, still has concerns. But he was only ever me when he drank. So if he's not allowed to drink no more, how can you really tell if he's really changed? Exactly. And he was jealous, and he was always, no matter if somebody talked to her or looked at her, to him, they shouldn't have done that, and he took it out on her for it. An emotional roller coaster for a family that continues to cope with the murder of a loved one more than 13 years ago. When you try to try to lay her to rest, you know, if you want to get peace of it, it's hard, because then they throw it back in your face. It's like he controls it all. It's like he wins all over again. I don't know. It's just very hard. We get through it because we're a family and we're strong. Very disappointed what the parole board has done. They do, however, want to remember Tanya for the good. She's happy, full of life, full of energy. Always joined up school groups. Her coming through my door and giving me a smart-ass remark, of course. And, yeah, I'm just... And then the times that we did hang out, um, it was always fun. Family was big to her. The kids. Yeah. Well, her kids were her world. The kids were her world. And, and they're extended for her mom and dad, her sisters, her family. They also want to remain strong for the children who are growing up without their mother. Dawn has one more piece of advice for anyone listening. I'd count every moment you can with your family, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree with Dawn. Through Correctional Service Canada, we reached out to Robert Bell for an interview. He declined that request. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me at Calgary Today.